Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. We talked last week about the things investors need to think about in a rising interest rate environment, considering fixed income, looking beyond Australia, diversifying their portfolios. Tim Murphy is the Director of Manager Research Asia Pacific at Morningstar. Remember, this is general information only and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Tim, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thanks for having me. Okay, the big question at times like this, how do we think about fixed income slash bond markets? Yeah, well, it's certainly been an interesting time for investing in bonds of late. So certainly over time, you generally would have thought of bonds, fixed income as being the defensive part of your portfolio. But, you know, in the last six to 12 months, obviously, we've seen some negative returns take place, you know, following, you know, the rise in interest rates and bond yields on the back of, you know, rapid inflation that we have seen. So, you know, going back to some basics, somewhat counterintuitively, bond prices go down when bond yields go up. So what we have seen is with the rapid rise in inflation and then the rise in bond yields off the back of that, in the first half of this year, bonds both here in Australia and right around the world have all you know suffered losses in, in the range of between 9 to 10%, depending on the market that you're looking at. So they certainly haven't played a defensive role in the last six to 12 months we historically we might have thought of them playing in portfolios. Okay, but that that nine to ten percent fall in price means your return, your yield, because it's based on a fixed coupon rate, has increased. And indeed, as of six weeks ago, it, it was starting to look fairly attractive. Now it's come off a bit since then. But where, how should we think about investing in bonds? And at the moment, we're talking about government bonds. Yeah, that's right. So. You know, historically, you know, again, you've held bonds in your portfolio typically as a defensive anchor if you have a sort of broader sell-off in your risk assets. So for most people, that's shares or equities. You know, that hasn't been the case in the last six months. But as you point out, if we're you know, looking at markets today, certainly the starting yields are certainly far more attractive than they have been for some time. Now, we saw a big rise in bond yields you know, right around the world up until mid-June. So you know, in Australia, the Aussie 10-year government bond, which is often quoted, you know, it's only jumped over 4%. In the US, that got over 35 And that, you know, that's come back somewhat in the last six weeks, you know, as you referenced. But certainly, you know, as a starting point, you've got much more income as a starter compared to, you know, numbers that started with a one or even less than that in some cases, you know, not that long ago. So you've got greater income. So particularly those of you that are in retirement phase, you know, that's obviously an important consideration. But then you've also got a greater buffer you know, to protect, you know, should there be you know, any further rise in yields from here. So for many retail investors, they would look at a bond fund, which is normally the way they would get into it, and compare that to a basically a term deposit at a bank. How do they compare at the moment? So TDs have certainly come up in the last little while, given the rise in both bond yields and sort of official RBA rates. You know, for some of the smaller banks, you know, you're starting to see, you know, 12-month term deposits that start with a three. So that's certainly encouraging. You know, most of the bond funds and ETFs that we look at are sort of around the three and a half to four percent range in terms of their yields at the moment. So you're looking at lower yields on a TD versus a bond or most bond funds that are out there at this point in time. If you're dealing with the major banks, you know, the TD rates are certainly much lower than that, you know, at this point. So it certainly pays to shop around if you're in yeah. the market for a term deposit. So those, those rates have come up, but certainly there is better running yields available at the moment on most bond funds out there compared to term deposits. So how much does the future depend on whether we hit it going to a recession or at least a near recession versus an economy which kind of has that soft landing that we're all hoping for? 
Well, it definitely depends a lot, particularly on the on the government bond side, because certainly where we've got to, you look at the flatness of yield curves now, and when I talk about that, I mean if you compare the yields on sort of two to three year bonds versus you know ten year bonds, they're relatively similar. In some cases, negative out in the longer longer you go. Certainly, we're observing that in the US. So the much talked about 10-year minus two-year rate has actually turned negative in the last week in the US. And so that has often been used by many economists as a precursor to recession in the past. So that tells you that there is there's certainly a number of bond investors out there concerned about you know that outlook. And so I think that concern has been playing out in markets in the last six weeks. So you know we touched earlier on bond yields sort of peaking around that mid-June period, and they've certainly retraced a fair way in the last six to eight weeks or so. So as I said, the Aussie 10-year got over 4%. You know, it was back below 3% at one point earlier last week. So that tells you that there's certainly concerns that, you know, the economy may be challenged going forward. Stay with me, Tim. We'll be back in a minute. I'm speaking to Tim Murphy, Director of Manager Research Asia-Pacific at Morningstar. So we've been talking about government bonds. When we talk about the semis, which is state government instruments, and then we talk about corporate bonds, and then we can talk about high-yield bonds, once we're called junk bonds, they're obviously companies issuing bonds with a lower credit rating. How should investors think about those sorts of, you know, as, as you go out the curve? Yeah. It all comes back to the what you're trying to achieve out of your investment. So you think about all of those are on the risk spectrum. So if you think about government bonds as the least risky, then semi-government, then investment grade credit, then high yield, probably the most risky out there. And there's obviously, you know, the higher the risk you go, the you know, the greater the income or starting yield. So, you know, if you are sanguine about, you know, the potential for recession and whatnot, then clearly high yield bonds and then credit are going to be more exposed on the downside to that event should it happen. So while there might be more attractive running yield, and there certainly is a more attractive running yields on high yielding securities at the moment, if you have a sort of sustained you know, downturn in risk and markets, those are likely to suffer more downside than a pure government exposure. So you, you know, as an individual investor, you need to make a decision around that trade-off between seeking that higher income versus taking that higher risk and how much can you tolerate you know, from a downside perspective to do that. Okay, Tim, let's move away from fixed income equities. And I want to just quickly run through a few other asset classes. Equities. So we saw growth stocks come off really, I mean, it's almost 12 months. It's not quite that long, but they've, they've come off quite a bit as demonstrated by tech stocks, particularly value stocks were back in favor. Where do we sit now? Yep. Great debate happening between value and growth style of investing. As you said, you've been through an interesting 12 months, which has come after, frankly, a one-way 10 years or so. So for most of the last decade, growth investors have had it all their own way. We've seen falling interest rates over that period, which has really driven you know, more speculative, higher growth earning sectors, really benefiting in how investors are looking at them with the lower you know, discount rates applied. With interest rates rising, bond yields rising in the last year, that's really put a break on the share price valuations of a lot of those growth stocks, as you mentioned. So we've seen a big rotation into value stocks as a result of that. And that really kicked off around sort of October and November 2021. As we sit here today, you know, certainly we don't think that there is you know, that's necessarily over. So while there has been a big pullback in lots of the high growth sectors, notably tech, as you referenced, you know, certainly, if you look at the growth prospects from here, 
really it does get you know very dependent which sector and which companies you're looking at. And so it really yeah. does pay to sort of dig down and not to get too caught up in the overall you know, headlines and, and be focused on individual companies within those areas and where there may be opportunities and where they are do they, or where they do have greater control over their margins and their business. You know, are they price takers or are they price makers? You know, in an environment that is slowing growth, that is likely to be, you know, rising unemployment, that is likely to see less spending from consumers as a result of inflation and rising interest rates flowing through to their mortgages. So, you know, certainly wouldn't be advising people to, you know, fill their boots with growth stocks at this point, despite the pullback that they've seen uh, since the end of 2021. And the point there, which seems to be the consensus view, is that it is an active stock pickers market. So once again, I'll refer to the fact that we're not an investment podcast. So please go and get your own advice, your own professional advice. But many people are saying in this sort of environment, just buying an ETF and not thinking about it may not be the best option. Yeah. I mean, there's never a right or wrong answer to that. And there's different arguments for and against active versus passive investing. We think both are equally valid. You know, in the recent pullback in time, particularly in the equity side, there hasn't we haven't noticed a particular increase in the performance of you know active doing markedly better than it has previously. A little different in the bond side, I would say. But you know, we think you know if you're going active, you know, it pays to you know do your research to really identify those people that and fund managers that can add value versus those that just have a slick marketing scheme. Yeah. Okay, what about real assets? So primarily property and infrastructure. Tim, I have sort of been involved in economics and markets for a long time, and depending who you talk to, they are great in a rising interest rate environment or not, and it all seems to come down you know, in property, whether or not there's some sort of inflation linkage to rents and whatnot. But I still really struggle with real assets to get a grip around whether rising interest rates are good or bad. Yep. And then it really, again, depends on what element of it you're looking at. And it's a great debate happening at the moment. Looking, at, you know, There's lots of discussion around performance of super funds over the last financial year. And so you look at a lot yeah. of the large industry funds that have large books of unlisted assets, mostly reporting decent positive returns on their unlisted property and infrastructure books, but then comparing that to the listed equivalent assets which all you know were down somewhere in the vicinity of 15 20%. Yeah. And and just to explain that that's because these unlisted property assets don't have to be valued as they're not valued every day like a listed asset. Exactly right. And so your reliance on external valuers you know, making their own assessment of market rather than a general you know market assessment like that's happened through the listed markets. So big divergence and there's a whole lots of discussion there around how that's affected the performance of various industry funds which could be an entire separate podcast in and of itself <laughs> so we won't go there today but certainly you know when you look at that argument around how tied those assets are to inflation certainly in many cases the revenue streams in particular on the infrastructure side you know benefit from higher inflation you can't just focus on the revenue side of these things though the debt and capital structure of these businesses and investments is just as important. And so you, know, you look at how the listed versions of these, particularly in the listed property sector, have performed in the last six to 12 months, and you're seeing you know, big double-digit drawdowns. So yeah. they haven't certainly haven't protected you from the inflationary environment because, again, you know, you've got higher gearing. Obviously, as interest rates go up, that's a negative on that. So it's, it's not as simple as saying, oh, the revenue is linked to inflation, therefore that's a positive. 
you really got to dig beneath that, look at the capital structures, understand you know the various drivers of those businesses. Certainly, infrastructure has performed better than property in the last little while. On the property side, there are revenue challenges to many elements of the property sector. Obviously, there's been step changes in you know office and retail in particular over the last couple of years as a result of the pandemic and you know what the in case use of property or those different types of property assets is as we get through this, you know, it's probably still up to be determined. And so that's obviously playing uh, a role in you know, some doubts that are flowing through to the share prices of many of those companies in the listed sense. Jim, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. No problem at all. Great to talk, Sean. That was Tim Murphy, Director of Manager Research Asia Pacific at Morningstar. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Remember, this information is general in nature and you should seek professional advice before making any investment decisions. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.